0: The Start On Demand. demand. Explosive testimony in Ottawa as Jody Wilson-Raybould speaks out, leading to calls for Justin Trudeau's resignation. One of those calling for that resignation? Conservative leader Andrew Scheer. You'll hear our chat with him. Property taxes in Winnipeg could be going up by as much as 9%. 9%! Are you stuck In the parental paradox, RBC did a survey on parents who are trying to save for retirement while supporting their adult children. Many parents are paying for the adult kids' cell phone bills. And one of the biggest TV shows of the 1990s is coming back for a limited run. I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, we are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, February 28th podcast for The Start. Uh, You know, we're a news talk station. Don't really really know what to talk about today.
1: The tax increase beyond the 2.33%, which would be significant. There's debt, which would ultimately have to be paid uh, by taxpayers, or there's a reduction in the infrastructure uh, bill that's required for a a growing city. I could have signed an agreement today, and then you people
2: would have said, oh, what a terrible deal, what a terrible thing he did. No, you'll have to be prepared to walk.
3: I know what Mr. Trump is, he is a racist, he is a con man, and he is a cheat.
4: In my view, the communications and efforts to change my mind on this matter
1: should have stopped. I therefore completely disagree with the former Attorney General's characterization of events. It has been proven that what he has said is not true, he needs to step aside.
0: Mac like McGarry McNabb, First of all, Greg, good for you for pulling out a Queen song that I didn't know. I like that.
2: I mean, I'm in a, I'm I- in a Queen mood these days. Uh, I'm in my Queen period if I was an artist, you know, I would, that's what it would be described uh, as. That's
4: what you're working with.
0: Yes, that's working your,
2: with Queen now. That's what
0: gets you go- gets you going. Well, it's perfectly fitting as well for, for what we're talking about here. Lots
2: of scandals on all sides of the border, across the ocean. Donald Trump walking away from Vietnam without a deal with North Korea. We've got all sorts of things happening in Ottawa with Jody Wilson-Raybould. Her compelling four-hour testimony yesterday, Justin Trudeau's very weak response, in my opinion, to that testimony. Andrew sheer going way off the other end, saying Justin Trudeau has lost the confidence of the country, needs to step aside. And the news that broke here with Mayor Bowman uh, yesterday morning when he was sitting with us, he wasn't using any numbers yesterday, but by the time the evening news rolled around, we were talking about a 7.1 to
4: point. on top of what he had already promised, which was 2.33. So the math is 9.34% is the possible hike that could be revealed tomorrow at City Hall. So that's, that's on the table. So there are all sorts of questions about the future of the Prime Minister and what he should do and that suggestion he should resign. I don't think it's going anywhere, but uh, we also have Andrew Shear coming on the show this morning to tell us what he thinks about what the prime minister said yesterday. And then at the end of the day is the in- all of our interpretations of the events. So the prime minister said that's not how he recalls the conversations. He doesn't think of them the same way Jody Wilson-Raybould did. Then you have the Trump saying... He doesn't trust anything Michael Cohen says except for the one thing he had to say about Russia. That one was true. So we're gonna pick all our truths out of here. And then we'll also have to listen to Brian Bowman tomorrow as he explains this possible property tax hike, what he promised, what's coming to the table, how all that works, and then whether you decide he broke a promise or did he stick to his truth. I'm putting everything in quotes here. You can't see that, but I'm quoting a lot. Lots quotes.
0: and
2: lots of quotes.
0: We want to have a chat right now about something called the Parental Paradox. This is from RBC. It's a poll about trying to save for retirement while supporting adult children. Now, of course, these polls are released by these banks because they want you to say, here's how you can save money with us. But regardless, Mm -hmm. the question is Mm -hmm. an important one uh, for those who are trying to save for retirement, but are also supporting for their kids who are in the ages of 18 to 35. Jeff Braun's here. Kelly Moore's here. Jeffrey Fortier. Fortier, how old are you? 27. Do you still live at home? Sure do. How do you feel about that?
5: terrible
6: <laughs> <laughs> i want to get out so badly <laughs> oh. so
0: badly. Uh, your mom's a sweetheart though i met her uh she she brought uh, oh where did i bump into her now bumped into her um
5: when you're giving away the caps that's the right caps. that's super lube. yeah yes. she stopped
0: by yeah. yeah nice lady so i could see why you want to stay home but when are you going to get out
5: actually we were looking at apartments yesterday um i want to be out of the house by this year because i just i can't live there anymore is
4: it finances that's
5: Keeping you there for now? It was. Now I'm able to afford to get out. So I'm looking for a place to get out. But yes, they have supported me. Uh, They're both retired, but she's still working part-time here and there. Now,
2: I know some parents who have this uh, idea that they don't want their kids to move out of the house uh, either until they're set in their career. And Jeff, uh, you're on that track for sure. Or until they buy the... You talking Buy about Forte or Braun? I'm talking about in <laughs> talking about in a broad sense that 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 whole philosophy about they want their kids to be on the at least a good way down their career path, or that they're going to be buying a, a home. Did any of us have that uh, luxury? Why of, can't like three buddies wait. get together and get an apartment? I'm just asking. I'm just yeah. really saying. This is, it seems
0: to be a shifting philosophy, though.
4: Is it a shifting philosophy, or is it just costing that much more? I don't know.
0: Yeah, because when our parents, and uh, no, when I say our parents, I'm too, like, I'm 41, so I'll use my parents as an example, but them buying a house was a significantly different picture than it is for someone to buy a house today. Absolutely. My mom and dad's first yeah. house was $19,900. And
4: even 20 years ago, when I moved back from Ottawa to Winnipeg, I remember my friend buying a really nice house in St. Vital for eighty-five or 90000 and it's worth three hundred twenty 20 years later. Like, it's just gone up yeah. so much. But Kelly, you, must you don't have, have to buy a house. You
3: can just this. rent a place. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like our actually, our youngest daughter and her husband, uh, they have the uh, ability to be able to live in his parents' house right now because his parents are snowbirds down in California. So, th- and it was the parents who came to them and said, "Listen, you guys are trying to save for a house, so why don't you just come and live here?" Save on rent while we're away. And so this is going to enable them to be able to buy their first home. They're Both of them are fiercely independent young people. But they realize that, you know... Pride is one thing, but uh, pragmatism is quite another. So, uh, I'm proud of them for uh, sucking it up and doing it this way and even more proud of them for the amount of money they've been squirreling away expecting their first child at the same time. But oh my uh, word. yeah, but they're going to be able to it looks like by this summer uh purchase their first ever home. Well, good for them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah like in my case, I stayed home till I was 28. That was partly because like I had I'd quit my job, and or I was still working part-time, but I had a full-time job, decided to go back to school, and my parents gave me the option. They said, you can either stay here and pay rent or go to school, yep. and then you can stay rent-free. So I decided to take advantage of that. Had I not gone back to school, I just would have kept working full-time, and I would have moved out. So I decided I'll stay here. I'll go back to school. And then once I finished school, I needed to stay for a couple more years because I had just started working here. I was getting like two shifts a week, like mm-hmm. five-hour shifts, overnight shifts. So I certainly couldn't afford to so move on So they invested
4: in your future. They were a yeah. partner in yeah. that investment. So this poll found that on average, Canadian families are spending, I think, $5,000 per year on their kids. Between you,
2: you you said that number really quick.
4: 5000 $623. Divide
2: it by 12. It's close to $500 a month. On their children. In the-
4: Manitoba, it's slightly lower. It's I think it's $4,800 per year on their adult children. And so that could be anything from rent to cell phone bills to food. Jeff, Ron, did you move out right away at 18?
7: Oh, yeah. Uh, first day of grade 12. <laughs> I may have told this story before. I come home from school. We're having supper. My dad's like, well, how was the first day of grade 12? I said, it was fine. He says, what are you going to do after high school? I said, I don't know. He goes, you have one year to decide because this time next year, you don't live here anymore.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yes,
7: yeah.
3: Babe.
7: No. And, and not wow. in a, we don't like living with you, please leave. And if, they wouldn't have let me, you know, become homeless or anything like that, but it's just like, you just got to figure out something ghost. to do with your life and yeah. go live on your own. I well, do I, wonder,
4: it, because you're from a smaller town, and so am I, and so my choice My like, town's
0: bigger than yours, but whatever.
4: Your town <laughs> is bigger, but it's not as pretty, <laughs> it's not as pretty as <laughs> in Okay, country. children. Okay, but I, I do wonder, because the choices are different, right, and so w- when I made a choice to go to university, university, University was till you had to leave home. I could have gone to Brandon and lived at home, but beyond that, didn't want to go to the University of Minidosa. There wasn't there. It's this university of uh, life. life. So, but you had to leave. Is my point for the most part? Yeah, and I
7: think that's what they were actually driving at. Was like. You gotta Make go it, to college, yeah. university, or something, but, and you can't do that in
3: Eltona. So
4: it also started at a really young age in our house that if you wanted to go to university, please understand that we have four kids and we have a farm, and we're you're not we're not paying for all of you to go no. to university. So I'm like, I had my first job at 12. I'm not saying that like woe was me. I just the idea was if you want to go, you start working because we we can't pay for all that. And I and that's I think that's still happening for the most part. I just wonder if it is more money or if there is like a rural. City divide thing or What do you I don't think know. the
2: tipping point is on that? Is is not paying Enough of a barrier, or helping pay tuition, enough of a barrier that your kids won't go to school, or the idea that they have to pay more of an incentive
3: for them yeah. to to be creative in terms of how they spend their time and working hard, Kelly. What we the deal we did with our daughters is we said, listen, we'll we'll pay fifty percent of your tuition, but you guys have to be financially invested in your education so that when times get tough, and we know times will get tough, uh, that you're going to stay the course, and if it's mom and dad who. With the bill well then it's too easy to pull the plug uh and 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 that seemed to work you know hitman with our oldest daughter we did the same thing with her uh, that your parents did with you but what we did was we squirreled away her rent just put it into a savings account so that when she w- wanted to buy her first car all of a sudden she had the down payment and didn't even realize it. oh my word wow yeah. Kel, you're good dad so
4: you paid the rent and the car then technically
3: well, we, we we the rent she paid us, mm-hmm. and so she got used to paying that. Then helped her also budget to make her car payments.
4: But I think if you if you have to pay for more, then you 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 your investment do is more. more. Exactly. Like I used to do math in Chicken Terry dollars. Like I'd buy a sweater and be like, "Oh, this is seven and a half hours at Chicken Terry's." If I buy this, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's worth it. You, I would do everything in Chicken Terry's math. Oh, Did you boy. go to the University of Minidosa for that? <laughs>
0: We start with Winnipeg's budget for 2019, which has been printed. And tomorrow afternoon, we're going to find out how much your property taxes will rise. We're
4: talking a hit of possibly as high as 9%. Zoinks. I said 4%. We had had a guess uh, yesterday. yesterday. We
2: have have a a tote board, a tally guess board (laughs) in our newsroom. And I think nobody's guess yesterday was predicting before the mayor spoke anything over 5.2%, I think, was the highest guess in our newsroom. So, you know, that's 7.1 plus the promised 2.33. And that's, that's, that's a big chunk of change,
4: McNabb. Okay, so he's made the case and he did it again yesterday and we just wanted to highlight this clip again. Again, Mayor Brian Bowman saying it's all because of this funding shortfall.
1: What I campaigned on was uh, limiting tax increases to 2.33 uh, percent, unless there was incremental cuts from the provincial government. And so, so
4: they will go up. You, They'll you go will, be higher than that.
1: There were very difficult uh, decisions that had to be made on how we reconcile with uh, significant uh, capital dollars that uh, were budgeted and were spent last year. Uh, notably on roads and, and monies that have not uh, yet flowed.
4: So, as you pointed out, he then went on. So, not on our show, he didn't mention a number, but later in the day, his. You pushed him hard enough. Well, the mayor's. Well, I, I. I don't think I said give me a number, but I kind of suggested. If, give if me he a had number. <laughs> a number, it would have well, been nice knows, if he would have given it to us yesterday. The number right? The the budget has been printed, so. But the mayor's office later said they're talking as high as 7.1%, plus that 233 that's already been promised for a total of 934 potentially. But with the mayor's office saying later, look, the hike is not the only possibility. We could take on more debt or we could reduce capital projects or cut services. There's all sorts of options on the table. But in their view, to make up for what they call a funding shortfall from the province, they would need 7 to 9% increases. And I
2: think the qualification there is if the 2019 budget is essentially a carbon copy of the 2018 budget with promised increases in place uh, on a variety of spending issues, including uh, extra spending on infrastructure, which is what that 2% of that 2.33% and then the 0.33% is supposed to go to transit initiatives. And then, of course, all your regular increase for the, the increased revenue that they get and the whole idea of increasing uh, spending with regard to inflation and these numbers that they put in, right? So the, the budget's going to go up a certain percentage no matter what, because revenue will go up. But if it was exactly what they delivered in 2018, in 2019, that's what it would take for them to deliver that same level of service, that same investment in infrastructure.
4: It's a... Um it, it kind of makes all the past few months more interesting. You know, w- was the case being made since, say, December, that this is what was going to come if we didn't have a, a change to the funding? And and then there's the bigger question, like, what is the actual funding? The province says they've, they've given them what exactly what they have mm-hmm. always had, that there is no freeze. They squabble over what the a- actual amount is. We asked the premier to come on and, and give his thoughts on the suggestion that Winnipeg will have to raise its taxes because of what's. This funding squabble, the premier declined to come onto our show this morning, but he, uh, his cabinet ministers weren't silent. Scott Fielding tweeting out yesterday that, quote, Winnipeg remains the most generously funded major municipality in Canada. It doesn't have a revenue problem. It has a spending problem.
2: So there we are. Well, some of the funding programs have changed. They, they got a, a one-time grant, a lump sum grant for the city, but then they had cost-sharing programs with transit. And so that was floating, right? Depending on how much it cost to run transit. They didn't get a, a check. Here's your 85 million for transit. Here's your 30 million extra for policing and your grant. Some of those funds funding agreements were based on the operating costs and those fluctuate. The province wants to move away from that. They want to give them a defined amount of money, for operating and for the different obligations that they have part and parcel and separate from the overall funding that they give to the city of Winnipeg in their operating grant and that's a that's a change in practice that the city of Winnipeg I suspect it's going to have to get used to, and they're going to have to suck it up one way or another. Either way,
4: a hit's coming.
0: What time is the budget released tomorrow?
4: So uh, reporters go in at around 10 o'clock to find out what the numbers are, and that's called lockup. And then around 1.30 is when they will reveal to the public that, that what... What the amount actually is, which could also include all sorts of levies and different fees and and garbage fees, sewer rates, water, all those kinds of things.
2: One of our listeners says, that it's easy. Just get more of those vans that catch more speeders. They'll, they'll make all the money they need.
0: <laughs> Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, one of the websites I like to look at. I have a subscription to the magazine, Entertainment Weekly, EW.com. And I go to the website yesterday And the headline reveals that this is coming back. You probably know the theme song. McNabb loves it. Yeah, McNabb is grooving right now. I don't even
4: know what instrument I'm playing, but...
0: There it
4: is. Is that a sax?
0: This is a guitar. The sax comes in a little bit later.
4: Beverly Hills 90210.
0: No, they, they did a reboot on the CW, like uh, 2008 to 2013. They ran 902 and But it was like younger, different casts, younger yeah. people. And so, I, what's this going to be? So, this is weird. It's going to be most of the original cast. Jason Priestley is in, Jenny Garth is in, Ian Zeering. Gabrielle Carteris? No! Andre- why? Andrea. Is that why? It? Is it gone Andrea? Andrea,
4: why? You don't want her to come back? You she just- shouldn't have
2: been there in the <laughs> first place. She's so annoying. She's the
4: classic friend. Crush on Brandon. Just pining away from him for years, man. Yeah, get
2: her
4: out. <laughs> she's in high school. She's being his friend, and that nope. guy's just stringing her along. Nope,
0: nope, nope. nope. Don't need her. <laughs> Agree to disagree there, Greg. Brian Austin Green is in. Tori Spelling, they're in. Now, Luke Perry and shannon doherty are not in yet perry is on the cw's riverdale but the door is open but here's the twist they're not going to play their characters they're going to play themselves in a new six episode serialized drama it's going to be like heightened, sort of cheeky versions of themselves where they all get together to decide whether or not they should reboot the show.
2: <laughs> so oh. kind of like that Curb the Enthusiasm episode when they reboot, when they film the reboot of Seinfeld yeah. that doesn't actually take place.
0: Yeah, so I kind of like that. It's only oh, six sweet. episodes. It's just okay. a little limited series to I kind have, of... You gotta got have Luke Perry. You gotta find a get I had a, in a poster
4: of Luke Perry over my bed. <laughs> Really? Over your bed, like on the ceiling? Uh, No. (laughs) Sorry, like on the back, on the back. No, come on, I was a kid. (laughs) On the back wall of my bed, but um, and I have seen his role in Riverdale, which is a terrible show, by the way. But I do like the idea of not just doing like I hate reboots, you know, when they just kind of like the full, full, fuller house thing. I just I don't like it when they try to come back to what they've already walked away Careful. from. Don't slam fuller house. I know you like it. You no, know my kids like it. But I like this idea of doing something a bit different but still getting to see all those guys and girls and where they're at including Andrea. Andrea.
0: Andrea stay home. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Priestley, I like, I'm curious to see what he brings to the table. Because he's he's going on to have a really interesting career. Uh, he's a fascinating dude. I like what Jason about Priestley Ian a
4: lot. Ian Is going to bring some sharks with him?
0: I hope he has the chainsaw. <laughs> they have got to find a way to incorporate the chainsaw. Just as long as he's
4: smiling the whole time.
0: Yeah, he's got those glorious oh, teeth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
4: the worst part about that show, when you stop and think about it, is how old they really were. Oh, I know. Like, they, Even were, like, then they were like 27 playing 16-year-olds. Yeah, like It was just out of luck. <laughs> meet
2: you at the peach pit
1: <laughs> it was important for Jody wilson rabel to speak openly at the justice committee today and I'm glad she had the chance to do so I strongly maintain as I have from the beginning that I and my staff always acted appropriately and professionally I therefore completely disagree with the former Attorney General's characterization of events.
4: That was Prime Minister Justin Trudeau responding to accusations from Jody Wilson-Raybould that he and others inappropriately and consistently pressured her on SNC-Lavalin. Wilson-Raybould's compelling testimony before that House of Commons Committee included notes she took after 10 instances where she says she and her staff are bullied to intervene in the court case. It was compelling and it also prompted calls for an inquiry and from the leader of the opposition and ask that the Prime Minister resign. For more on that, we're joined by Conservative leader Andrew Scheer. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, it was a pretty interesting day, to say the least, in Ottawa yesterday. A lot of things were said, and depending on how you look at it, really jaw-dropping testimony. Why did you think it was resignation-worthy?
8: Uh, because we now know that for the past three weeks, Justin Trudeau has been misleading Canadians. Uh, he was saying things that just aren't true. He's broken trust with Canadians, uh, and and we have a right to have truthful responses from our Prime Minister. Uh, he said from the beginning that these allegations were completely false. He even said that at no time was pressure put on Miss Wilson-Raybould Uh, We saw yesterday a very compelling and sincere testimony, very detailed, I might add. We're not just talking about uh, Jody wilson Raybold having a different recollection. She had detailed notes. She had copies of text messages and emails and uh, notes from meetings where it was quite clear that there was an unwanted, uh, uh, uncoordinated and sustained effort to get her to reverse a decision that she had already taken about a matter that was before the court's
2: I agree with you. It was compelling. It was sincere. It was detailed. But isn't it a stretch to say that we know based on the testimony of one individual, Andrew?
8: Well, uh, again, we're not just talking about uh, just an an ordinary individual who has a different recollection of events. Uh, She is speaking... As the former Attorney General, she was Justin Trudeau's lawyer, the government's top lawyer. Uh, she was testifying before a parliamentary committee. Uh, she was quoting documents that she has from those meetings. Uh, and again, uh, it, this is coming after weeks of Mr. Trudeau saying that there's absolutely nothing to see here. Uh, from the from the beginning, Justin Trudeau has acted like someone who is desperately trying to hide something, while Miss Wilson-Raybould has been trying to get the truth to come out. Uh, and this all culminates in the in the fact that she then lost her position, and Justin Trudeau selected someone who would be willing to give a special deal to overturn a decision of a court uh, process. That to me is completely unacceptable, Canadians uh, deserve better from their Prime Minister.
2: I can agree with probably 95% of what you said, but it's still only one person's testimony, one person's view and opinion of how things went down. And and, and the last time I checked, we're, we, we need to corroborate some things before we're convicting people of doing anything wrong and, and asking them to step away from their job.
7: Well, I
8: would agree with you before people get convicted, they absolutely have uh, the ability to uh, to defend themselves. But surely our standard for holding the highest office in the land should be more than just uh, you know criminal code uh, violations. Well I'm not talking criminal and- code.
2: I'm just talking in terms of the version of events, Mr. Shear. <laughs>
8: Yeah, well, I I would go back and and just to say that the conduct of Justin Trudeau on this has been completely unacceptable. Uh, He has uh, fought the Justice Committee's attempts to get to the bottom of this, uh, not allowing us to call key witnesses, uh, controlling what Ms. wilson Rabel can and cannot say. He continues to prevent her from speaking to events that happened after she was removed as Attorney General. And Ms. wilson Rabel clearly indicated there is more to come on that. Uh, So he's he's conducting himself in in a manner that absolutely speaks to a cover-up. To not wanting the truth to come out, and it's been going on for three or four weeks.
4: Are you saying he's uh, lying? Is the Prime Minister lying?
8: He has said things that have been shown to not be true now. I don't believe that he was telling the truth when he said that nothing happened, when he said that no pressure was applied to Miss Wilson-Raybould, when he said that she never came to him with her concerns. It's quite clear now that she did meet with him and that she did say that any uh, further communication on the SNC-Lavalin case would be inappropriate. She asked him. To, she asked other cabinet ministers to stop and they didn't stop uh, that is has that now you know been been shown to have continued to happen for weeks culminating in her losing her job so my threshold for why a prime minister should resign is when you, when you start to conduct yourself like this, clearly uh, trying to hide the truth and taking steps to uh, prevent others from speaking the truth, then you've lost the moral authority to govern in my books.
0: Now, you've, asked for, you've called for him to resign. When asked about calls for resignation, Trudeau said he, or he did not address the issue, saying simply that Canadians will have a chance to choose in the general election. So is this a drum, the resignation drum? Are you going to continue to beat that drum?
8: Well, we're going to continue to put pressure on it. And and now the decision really rests with Liberal members of Parliament. What do they do now? They have the power within their own party to remove their leader. They now have to ask themselves what kind of leader Justin Trudeau is in that caucus. Is he the ethical uh, person that he has tried to to pretend that he is? Uh, Are they satisfied with being led by someone who will go to great lengths to protect a well-connected corporation? would even go to the, to the point of breaking the law or urging an attorney general to break the law. Is that the kind of leader that they want to lead them? So we're going to be putting pressure on individual Liberal members of Parliament to do the right thing, uh, to, for, to, to ask themselves those very serious questions. And if they don't, then Canadians will know that this isn't just a Justin Trudeau problem. This is a Liberal Party systemic problem.
2: There are a lot of people, I think, looking at this snc Lavland case, uh, Mr. Shear, and wondering where's the, where's the pressure, uh, if you're going to put pressure to save 9,000 jobs, where's the pressure to build pipelines and to, to get the oil and gas industry to work in Western Canada?
8: Well, it, exactly, and I made that point to, uh, today as well. The, the fact that we have had court decisions that have blocked pipeline projects uh, that have led to thousands of jobs being lost in the energy sector. You have never seen once the Conservative Party or or any other politician uh, say, "Hey, uh, let's just ignore the law, or uh, find a better judge, or uh, tell uh, tell judicial officials to look the other way." We've we've all understood that we have to respect the courts, that we have to go back and, for example, uh, conduct indigenous consultations the right way, uh, that we have to ensure that the, the environmental considerations are done properly. Uh, But yet when it comes to this case, uh, bowing to the blackmail of a a well-connected company, then Justin Trudeau has has caved. And I would have liked to think that our prime minister was made of stronger stuff uh, that would have been able to stand up to the, the threats of a company facing corruption and bribery charges in developing countries. These laws to prevent bribery and corruption in other countries were specifically asked for by developing governments who said, you know, we can't have these multinational corporations coming in and bribing our officials and skimming off the top uh, th- we need help with that. And so countries like Canada, the UK, Europe, we all got together and said, we're going to hold our companies to a higher standard so that we can help developing com- uh, countries uh, eliminate corruption there. Uh, this is why these laws are on the books and why we cannot let a company threaten, uh, threaten or blackmail t- and, and, and break the law.
0: Andrew Shear, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you very much. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer. You can read more at globalnews.ca. The headline, Andrew Scheer says Justin Trudeau should resign over SNC-Lavalin controversy. And you can find more on 680 CJOB's Instagram story. guessing a lot of people would like to see many of these politicians just get in the <laughs> ring and hash it out. Question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204 Do you agree with Conservative leader Andrew Scheer that Justin Trudeau should resign? Yes, Trudeau is a liar. No, we don't know enough yet. No, let the voters decide in the election this fall. You can log on to cjob.com and cast your vote.
4: All right. Should he resign is one question. Another one for the prime minister might be, did he cross a line, an ethical line, a legal line, a moral line? Many people asking that to him this morning as he continues to deny accusations that he and his staff pressured Jody Wilson-Raybould to intervene in a criminal court case on behalf of SNC-Lavalin, with the former attorney general saying repeatedly during that testimony yesterday that she was told snc C. Lavalin would pull out of Quebec if it was found guilty on allegations of corporate fraud, and that that could impact election results in Quebec. In my view, the communications and efforts to change my mind on this matter should have stopped. All right, but now it's that testimony that I think is going to prove most troubling for the Prime Minister and the federal Liberals as we head into this fall election. Arthur Schaefer is the founding director of the Center for Professional and Applied Ethics at the University of Manitoba, and that's where we want to start the conversation now. Good morning, Arthur. Good morning. So we're talking a lot about what she said and what he said. Based on what we heard yesterday, how did the Prime Minister and his office cross an ethical line with the former, former Attorney
1: General? Let me start, Lauren, at a slightly earlier point. Uh, she said nothing illegal happened. <clears throat> so on the question... Uh, did anyone uh, commit a crime? Did anyone do any break the law? Do anything illegal? Uh, her view, although she has other accusations, her view is that nothing illegal happened. So if this is a scandal, it's not a scandal of criminal or illegal behavior on the part of the Prime Minister or anyone else. So then we move to... I suppose you could call it the ethical question. Did anything inappropriate happen? And she says, and I think everyone agrees, that it's appropriate for her cabinet colleagues, including the prime minister, uh, to draw policy considerations to her attention. In other words... It is okay to uh, lobby her, to urge her, To she has to exercise her discretion. She has the right to tell the Director of Public Prosecutions uh, that uh, uh, she should sign a deferred prosecution agreement with SNC-Lavalin. We pat Parliament, passed legislation allowing that option. The DPP decided not to, and now the ball was in uh, in the Minister of Justice's court. So she's got discretion. She decided to exercise it, not to interfere. She could have interfered. It would have been appropriate. She made that decision. And then her colleagues, including the prime minister, made the decision to try to persuade her and to put pressure on her. And that's legitimate. We haven't got to anything illegitimate yet. It's legitimate for them to say there are a lot of jobs at stake. The company may go out of business. The company may leave Quebec, and it would be a disaster. And as a government, our policy is to find another better solution to the criminal behavior of SNC-Lavalin rather than driving them out of business. Okay, so, so far, are you with me? Oh yeah, we're at the point. The
2: we're, we're at the point where we're nudging her to, to say, "Shouldn't we consider this?"
1: Okay. Now, so uh, she says she's got two. She, she her conclusion is they they that they put appropriate pressure on her. She concedes that, and then she says, "But they also put inappropriate. They also acted inappropriately, and she's got two... Um. Uh. uh Two two arrows in her quiver, two claims she's making about ways in which, in her view, they acted inappropriately. And the first is that they raised um, partisan political considerations. So the prime minister said... I'm a member of Parliament from Papineau. <laughs> and uh, the uh, several of her colleagues said, there's an election coming up in Quebec, and this is going to be a big issue. And uh, if all these jobs are lost, it's going to be very bad for us. She says that was inappropriate. I think she's clearly right. Uh, for them to say jobs are going to be lost, and that's a good reason to invoke the... Provision of deferred prosecution, which a remediation agreement, which forces the company to pay money, but doesn't put them out of business. uh, uh, It wasn't appropriate for them to say, "Hey, we're liberals, and uh, it's going to look bad for us." Uh, uh, So I think she's right on that. Now, so that was inappropriate. Is this a, a venial sin or a mortal sin? Will, will, will they, Should they get a slap on the wrist? They, they did behave inappropriately, in her view, in mine too. Uh, I don't know that it's such a... Look, that's how politicians think and are, but smarter politicians wouldn't have said it or more ethically sensitive politicians wouldn't have said it. Uh, Trudeau has a kind of tin ear for ethics, so it doesn't surprise me that he didn't see that that was inappropriate. Okay, and then her second point... You know what, Arthur
0: Schaefer, and I'm so sorry to do this, but we... Are out of time, so we're going to have okay, to leave it there. Okay, I went
1: on too long. No, nice you didn't. Chatting.
0: We we could listen. We could let you go all day.
1: Uh, and that, that, <laughs> it's a complicated story. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, nice chatting with you. Bye, bye.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. I love talking to this guy, Arthur Schaefer, the founding director of the Center for Professional and Applied Ethics at the University of Manitoba. Imagine
4: where his conversations would go at a dinner party. You'd be all over the place, thinking you were right, then you were wrong, I'd and then never what? Eat. Yeah, I'm so worried. What did I do? <laughs> you make some great points there. You know where. Where was the inappropriateness on that one point about votes, votes versus jobs? There were several lines to cross.
2: And what Arthur Schaefer points out is they they crossed the line too far in the mind of Jody Wilson-Raybould and uh, many others, including his.
0: Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. We've had so much to discuss Jody wilson Raybold, of course, and Justin Trudeau. And we'll have more on that after nine o'clock as well. Property taxes.
4: Yes. Seven, Sorry, how much? Seven percent, nine percent, 2.33 percent. Either way, we know it's going up past 2.33. The mayor threw out a number yesterday afternoon after he came on our show yesterday morning to say it likely will go up because of this, what they're calling a funding shortfall with the province. But then the number they threw out yesterday afternoon was that it, unless they make cuts or reduce spending... Uh, on capital budget issues or they find other ways the shortfall that they'd have to make up would equal at least a 7.1% property tax. Rate. And if
2: I heard the mayor correct, some of that money is money that was promised for 2018 that the city has paid out and not been compensated for from the province for 2018. That's how so they look at the funding. I, yeah. I know I know this is all a matter of perspective. That's the perspective of the mayor and of those at city hall.
4: And my question tomorrow when the budget is released at City Hall, did, did this number get tossed out so that whatever does come out tomorrow, which could be less, makes us go, oh, gosh, thank goodness it's not 9%. Yes. I think
0: it's possible. It's only 6%. Yes. Ooh. So we'll continue that conversation throughout the day. And we have Brian Adams tickets to give away coming up in our next segment. But wasn't just Jody Wilson-Raybould testifying yesterday, Greg. Michael Cohen south of the border regarding Donald Trump. I must have missed that. <laughs> How did, I, how did I miss that?
2: Reggie Cicchini's here. He was there. He can fill us in on on all the things uh, you missed, I missed, and everything in between, and of course, tongue-in-cheek, Reggie. It was uh, compelling
6: theater. It was. Like I said yesterday, this was something that would have sold out, you know, any theater that was sitting along Broadway. This was one of those moments where you saw, you know, kind of fireworks from both sides of the aisle trying to either discredit Michael Cohen or discredit the president. Uh, What we ended up with was something that's likely going to have Donald Trump spinning when he gets off the plane from Hanoi later on today.
4: So how? what was the most... Interesting part that had tongues wagging because we we saw his opening statement. But where did the conversation go after that in terms of what people are now saying, Washington, about A, whether or not he's believable and B, whether he had anything that actually changes the future for Trump?
6: So there are two big things that we are watching from what Michael Cohen had said yesterday. One of them uh, has to do with those hush money payments that were made on, uh, linked to the Stormy Daniels and that alleged affair story. Uh, Michael Cohen says that, you know, this money was put forward by him. He took a home equity line of credit. That's where the big chunk of money came from. The money was then paid back by Donald Trump. And to prove it, he brought in a check that had Donald Trump's signature on it that was written in uh, October of 2017, uh, which would have been before the election, right before or uh, uh, right after the election, rather, when Donald Trump was the sitting president paying these checks out, that's a big deal. That's something that, uh, if it ends up being found to be true, would be something that the Southern District of New York could look at and could provide some big damaging trouble for the president after he leaves office. Because we know with DOJ guidance, you can't indict a sitting president. That was one big thing. The second big thing was when Michael Cohen had made comment that the SDNY was currently and actively investigating something along the lines of a conversation between Donald Trump and Trump. And Michael Cohen that he wasn't able to expand on further that's the one that has people talking today
2: well you use the initials SDNY the initials AOC showed up last, yesterday afternoon and her questions a lot of the Democratic Democrats used their five minutes to, to make statements to get political and to use it as a stump speech the Republicans did the same but AOC Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez went right at it and was very methodical with her questions and it has a lot of people wondering. I'm wondering if her questions will be opening some other investigations. Fair to say?
6: It is fair to say. I mean, the questions that she asked, when they were direct. They were to the point. They were uh, something that Democrats had kind of, you know, been waffling in and around of for the better part of the day. But Democrats, for the most part, they, they kind of asked questions, and then didn't really weave themselves together. That was the one problem that the Democrats actually had when it came to questioning Michael Cohen. They all had their own kind of objective and their own line of questions that they wanted to get asked, and they didn't really band together to try and get a broader oversight of the picture, unlike Republicans who spent the entire time basically trying to discredit Michael Cohen. One thing to point out, though, is Republicans were the only ones to actually bring up the word impeachment numerous times during their questions. The Democrats didn't bring that word Mm -hmm. up once.
2: That is interesting. I didn't even catch on to that. Well pointed out. Where w- Good on you, Reggie. In,
4: in the meantime, we had Donald Trump overseas trying to cut a deal with Kim Jong-un, and he left there without anything happening. Is that being perceived as a failure or just more will come later?
6: Well, it depends on who who you're talking to. This was likely a failure in the eyes of most Americans, and definitely of those uh, in in many communities in Washington right now, because the U.S. sent the president halfway around the world where he walked away with nothing. He didn't walk away with a signature. He didn't walk away with any definitive term to what denuclearization is. We didn't get an end to the Korean War, which we thought uh, might happen. Donald Trump went over there and did what the opposite of most other administrations do. You send negotiators over. You send policy people over. They put the puzzle together, and then the president... President goes over to put the last piece in to offer a signature. Donald Trump did the complete opposite to try to negotiate this on his own, and we ended up with him coming home with absolutely nothing. What North Korea got was massive.
0: So I just wanted to circle back one more for one more moment here. The headline, one of, one of the many headlines on this at GlobalNews.ca. Donald Trump says Michael Cohen testified there was no collusion, and then there's a dash. He did not say that. So can you unpack that
6: for us? Well, so what Michael Cohen had said about collusion was that he didn't witness or he wasn't aware of any collusion uh, between Donald Trump and the Republicans. And the president is basically taking that as a win by saying, well, look, Michael Cohen is a liar, except when it came to that collusion conversation. When he says there was no collusion, there was no collusion. So the president is trying to paint Michael Cohen as somebody that you can't trust and somebody who shouldn't be uh, listened to, except when it comes to that Russia investigation. He says Michael Cohen didn't witness anything. So that must mean that there was absolutely no collusion. End of story the hoax should be you know ended right now
0: Reggie Cicchini joining us live from Washington D.C. thank you so much for the time as always Reggie thank you Thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB, Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. We direct you once again to the question of the day at CJOB.com. Brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. Do you agree with Conservative leader Andrew Scheer that Justin Trudeau should resign? And the updated results at CJOB.com. 70% say yes, Trudeau is a liar. 23% say no, let the voters decide in the election this fall. And 7% say no, we don't know yet. You can also vote on Twitter. Last time we checked, it's a little bit closer there. Maybe they should just get in the wrestling ring and think, settle their differences in the I square and circle. That's exactly how they should do it. Maybe they should Maybe find not. themselves tonight at the Sherbrooke Inn for a Barricade winnipeg pro wrestling putting on a show tonight and we have one of the performers in studio with us he is the canadian crusher aj sanchez and we have one of the promoters one of the co-promoters james is here with us as well gentlemen thank you for joining us Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Just took a picture of me trying to look tough with a Canadian crusher, but uh, the key word there is trying. Oh, yeah. I wish it was a video instead of a picture.
4: <laughs> I, wish, I <laughs> because... wish you were getting in the wrestling ring tonight so I could see that go down. That would be interesting.
0: I've always been curious to see if I could do it, but uh, I was always a bigger fan. I got to see Wrestlemania X7
6: oh, in yeah. Houston. That's a contest a one.
0: that went actually up with Power 97 before I worked here. Isn't that something yeah. else? So, uh, AJ, uh, we'll start with you. Yes, sir. How long have you you been the Canadian crusher.
7: Uh, how long have I been? Um, I've been the Canadian crusher for probably about the last five years. Yeah. And uh, I've been professionally wrestling for about 17 now. How old are you? I'm 32, although I feel like I'm 62.
4: Well, yeah. that's a lot of hard work on the body. It
7: is, yeah. Yeah, I stay quite busy doing it as well. So,
4: so is it a full-time job or full-time effort to uh, try to stay definitely in Definitely full-time game?
7: effort. Uh, the last couple years, actually, it's been pretty much full-time, just traveling uh, across Canada and uh, the U.S. as well. So is it
2: like hockey where you're fighting to get discovered? Are there scouts? How do you market yourself to to move into the different wrestling leagues and the different organizations and 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 work with different promoters? How does that work?
7: Uh, you know what? It's yeah, it's similar to to to, to finding scouts. It's it's about uh, networking, is is what it is. So getting out there, meeting the right people. Uh, you never know who's going to be able to get you uh, the right look. Uh, you know, you just, it's just best to, to network with as many people as possible. And you do so by traveling as much as you can and working with as many people as possible.
4: Is the character really important? And excuse my ignorance here. I'm drawing off my experience with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat from uh, 1988. <laughs> so I just want to be clear that's where I'm going. But But is it about the character as well and having that connection through that? That with the audience, or is it is it really about the wrestling for most?
7: I think uh, it depends on on the person that's watching. It's a bit of both. Obviously, you need to, especially with today's landscape, you definitely need to have some talent uh, inside the ring, uh, but also character. It's it's a very character driven business. So having something that can connect to the fans uh, is definitely very very important.
0: Now, James, uh, you've got a show tonight. It's actually sold out, right? Barricade. Yes,
7: yes.
5: It's our, our actually our second sellout. So wow. we've been. Uh, very fortunate to have the fans kind of take to it. So it's been great. Like it's, uh, I've, I've been watching local wrestling for longer than AJ's been wrestling. So, When he was coming up, I was watching, so it's kind of full circle.
2: Well, Winnipeg's historically been a genuine hotbed for wrestling. I think a lot of people forget the AWA filmed uh, their shows here every few weeks. I've always told Brett about going to Gold's Gym here by Polo Park, and you could go in, you could see Jesse Ventura, Hulk Hogan. Mm. The list went on and on. You got the sense that Gene Okerlund and the wrestlers lived in Winnipeg.
5: Yeah. I mean, that was a little bit before my time, but yeah, it was just... uh, and, and 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 still. I feel like it still is a hotbed, and and with with, uh, Jer- Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega kind of mm-hmm. be- becoming the forefront right now. I think Winnipeg's again uh, a wrestling hotbed. Well, so. is
2: K- Kenny Omega are arguably the biggest wrestling star on the planet, right? Yeah, now?
0: One, one could say that. Yeah, I, I agree. But James, do people still have? Uh because professional wrestling has a stigma to it right it, it always has uh you know you say oh you like wrestling I, does that but that's what i used to get do people still say that i you know what I. it's changing
5: wrestling has become really like really cool to watch it again uh i i feel that um wrestling is an art form and and like any other art form it's uh it appeals to different people, but it's starting to appeal to more mass audience. And you have performers like AJ who are—like our crowd, for example, a lot of them haven't watched wrestling before, but they're entertained by it. So if we're giving opportunities to AJ and other wrestlers, it's, it's to a new crowd to win new fans. And I, I think just the way wrestling is now, it's just growing. It's great. It's and with social media and, and Internet and just—you're able to access it way more than you ever could before.
4: What do you mean by Art form.
5: Well, it's a, it's a. I, I feel it's an art form. Like it's, uh, there's different characters. They're telling different stories. Whether that be, literally by talking or just telling a story in the ring through and wrestling.
4: Some spontane- spontaneity, but also so much thought goes yeah. into it beforehand, right? And the idea of a, of a performance is that it's choreographed in some way or at least um, what you want to get out of it is planned ahead of time.
7: Yeah, when when the, the term art is is used as far as explaining wrestling, uh, art's very subjective. So, you know what I mean? People interpret things differently. Um, somebody can look at a photo and, and interpret it mm-hmm. one way and interpret it another way. Um, the term art form is just, it's we're, we're telling stories. We want People that come in, it's no different than watching a movie or watching any other you know form of television show. Um, they even "quote unquote" reality television shows. They've laid out their stories that they want to tell, <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and and whatnot. And wrestling is very similar in that aspect. And uh, not only are you getting storytelling, um, you're getting live action. You know, hard hitting. You know, those are all the words that you hear with professional wrestling. It's very true that way.
2: You have to do it in one take. One you don't take get thing. to do yeah. it a second time.
7: There's or a no fifth retake time. when you're in front of a, a sold out crowd like at the Sherbrooke.
0: Yeah. So, as far as uh, women's wrestling is concerned, I know in the last couple of years, WWE launched their their women's Royal Rumble. The the women's circuit in WWE is is growing uh, by leaps and bounds. Is that happening on local circuits as well? With more female wrestlers getting involved.
7: Uh, yeah, most definitely, uh, as the popularity rises and especially the focus is put on women's wrestling, uh, you tend to see far more females taking to the, to the sport, so to speak, uh, in Winnipeg, we're not being geographically where we are. We're not, uh, super blessed in that aspect. We do have women that come through as you'll see on the show tonight. Um, but as far as local homegrown female talent, uh, Winnipeg doesn't have a whole lot uh, in Western Canada. You do. You will find there's a lot more, um, and they tend to make their way on over uh, through various companies that run here locally. Is but, there a uh, reason
4: for that, you think? I see you shaking your head. I think well, in disappointment I, 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 about I, disappointment, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
7: I mean,
5: as I I don't actually know why. It's
7: I I run the, the training pro, the training program for one of the companies here locally, and uh, it's just a, we've had some females reach out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've just not completed the training essentially. So. Uh, you know, it's it's rigorous, it's hard, and it's not exactly for everybody. So,
0: well, you mentioned you're you feel like you're 62 years old. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> How much abuse have you taken over the years in their 17 years? It's in the
7: Seventeen round. years of wrestling, at least 100 matches a year, give or take. Oh, um, which at this level is quite a bit. You don't get that much work outside of WWE. So, uh, yeah, it takes its toll. Uh, you know, I'm a large guy, so falling and getting up is. Uh, yeah, it takes its toll. Hurt so, yourself? Yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing serious. I've been very blessed that I haven't. A, I've avoided serious injury due to wrestling. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I've been blessed in that aspect. So.
2: What's the travel like, and how does it affect uh, your other relationships outside the ring?
7: Uh, well, I'm a 32 year old single man, so uh, it <laughs> affects. Don't it, right. Well, so I'm you not compla- That's
4: pretty typical. Yeah, I would, yeah.
7: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not complaining by any aspect, but it, it affects. Uh, you know, the travel. First off, the travel on your body probably hurts more than being in the ring. Now you've got to wrestle and then cram in a car for seven hours and get to the next town. And
4: like, where are you going for this? It takes you all over the place. I imagine.
7: Yeah. So, uh, there's a company here locally called CWE that runs tours across Canada. So, um, this next tour is going all the way from Toronto to Vancouver, as far as I understand. So, uh, you do the shows, you get in the car, you go to the next town, you set up, you tear down, you wrestle, you get in the car, you go to the next town. Some of them have after parties. So you're out till whatever time of the night. And, uh, it's just, it's the grind. Uh, I personally, I, I love it. So,
0: well, and pro wrestlers, I mean, you guys, uh, <clears throat> I think Brett the Hitman Hart actually said, what did he say? To get to be the best, you need to give in to loneliness. Mm. And being a pro wrestler can be a lonely life because you spend so much time on the road, maybe more so than any other entertainer.
7: Yeah, most definitely. I would tend to agree with that. Yeah. You're, it's, it's, uh, it's like I said, it's getting to the town. You go to the after party that night. You don't really know who you're hanging out with sometimes. And uh, so, there's not that, that, personal connection with a lot of people. Um that being said though, the boys in general uh are, are a very tight-knit group for the most part and uh you know we take care of our own. I
4: what? just want to ask one quick question about tonight's event because one of the quotes was that you want to combine the best elements of pro wrestling, comedy and theater while having that weird Winnipeg feel. Do you know what the weird Winnipeg is or is it just by I, being you know a what? Winnipeg? Winnipeg
5: wrestling has uh for years there's always been like last show there was a uh, uh, a Baba with a cane, and 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 that that's kind of a staple of Winnipeg wrestling. Like, there, <laughs> if you went to the old community shows, there'd be, you know, an old Baba or Grandma kind of shaking her cane at the wrestlers. I, I forget. One had me. a
7: rubber chicken at one point. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. get, you <laughs> yeah, get, <laughs> that was her thing. She brought a rubber chicken to the show. Yeah, yeah,
5: and you would get these uh, regulars, like or regular fans, that would just get so into it that um, they so, almost become part of the show. Exactly, and uh, so. We wanted to incorporate that. We're all from Winnipeg. We all grew up on Winnipeg wrestling. We've wanted to kind of take the elements that we grew up with and kinda of highlight that. And, and and as far as like stand up comedy and we just kinda of want to bring a little bit of everything that we all like. Like there's six of us who, who promote the shows. Like we all do different things and we all like different things. So we like try and bring a little bit of everything into it. Who's your headliner? Uh, we have Joey Ryan, who is known as the uh, King of Dong Style. If uh, okay. I don't he, know how yeah, <laughs> he, he
0: uses a certain part of his anatomy uh,
5: uh, oh, in creative yeah. fashion in okay. matches, uh, it's quite to comical. Suplex, uh, wrestlers and uh, yeah, see art form. Got it. Right? <laughs> I got it. Art
7: form. <laughs> Interpret it how you <laughs> see. <it. laughs> yeah,
4: the mental right? image is right. It's there. I got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: He, It's a, he, honestly, he's one of the most unique characters I've ever seen. The yeah, videos just, are, are funny. Uh, he's yeah. a great showman do you have a what's your move crusher do you have a finisher
7: you know surprisingly at 360 pounds I can do back flips and front flips so oh, uh, that it, would be awesome to see wow yeah so I will I will do what's called a moonsault so it's a back flip off the ropes and just crush oh, my opponents oh
0: my word Good, wow that takes incredible athleticism. Does, that yeah. sounds awesome yeah. it's happening tonight Sherbrooke in Barricade it's sold out Winnipeg Professional Wrestling we are in conversation with AJ Sanchez aka the Canadian Crusher and one of the co-promoters James I also have another I have another nickname
2: apparently for AJ from one of our listeners, the King of Transcona.
7: It's true. It's true. Uh, Are you a Transcona? I'm not, but I won a tournament. It's one of my lesser known titles. Yeah.
0: We won a tournament.
7: <laughs> a tournament to be crowned the king of Transcona. I had a crown and everything. It was glorious. Oh, oh wow. Is there one you. in
4: every neighborhood? Like, are you, well, can you also be the that's king like, of you know, we might South St. or something like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's
7: a great idea. Yeah. Michael Wynn has
2: these t shirts, uh, West End Legend. He's got the different Ooh, uh, yeah. Legend t shirts for, for the different parts of uh, Winnipeg. I think I think we might be on to something yeah. here. I just moved
5: us- into St. Boniface,
0: so I'm ready to <laughs> get
5: claim, that crown here.
4: Yeah, claim yeah.
0: it. Well, I, I did too. So are we yeah. going to have to? I, we might have to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To settle this up. is a showdown. that's a showdown. Hell no, it can't slow down. Crusher and James, thanks for coming in, guys. Well, thanks this for having great. us. Again, Thank it's you. happening tonight. Winnipeg Pro Wrestling Barricade at Sherbrooke Inn, but it is sold out. When's your next show? Ah uh, do you know that is? I don't yet? know, okay. no, not yet. You'll let us know, right? Will,
5: oh, for sure. Hundred percent.